Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Great basketball players know a thing or two about balance. That doesn't just mean the ability to balance well, but the mentality to balance your jump shot with shutdown defense. So when real ballers need to recover, they reach for the perfect balance of recovery and delicious taste, low-fat chocolate milk. It's got the right mix of protein and carbs, scientifically proven to refuel exhausted muscles. So balance your workout with a real recovery drink, low-fat chocolate milk. See the proof at builtwithchocolatemilk.com. So let's start tonight with a long overdue subject. In fact, they're playing slightly better now. So we better talk about it before it becomes obsolete, at least in the short term. The Washington Wizards, in the wake of Woj's report early last week, that everything and everything that is not nailed down could be on the block. Functionally, though, I think as we'll find, there may be a little more bluster to that than substance, though. Uh, But I I think where we want to do this is we can just discuss trades for their three highest profile highest paid players john wall brad beal and otto porter i think wall is probably the most interesting place to begin here the most interesting and the most complicated because of this nuance regarding his trade bonus and i still am absolutely not rock solid on this trade bonuses in general are something that i struggle with but this one in particular is even more complicated because of the designated veteran extension that he is technically on right now but the the 35% max doesn't kick in until next year. So as under my interpretation of it, he is very hard to trade right now. Yeah, generally, there seems to be some question, Zach Lowe reported on this early in November, some question about whether, in fact, a a trade bonus would uh, apply or not. I am not certain whether he had a trade bonus in his old contract. If he does in his new contract, there appears to be some question about whether the trade bonus only applies when the new contract kicks in, rather than that the trade bonus could be applied to the existing years of the contract that may not have had a trade bonus. The designated player veteran extension throws a a monkey wrench in there as well and but it seems pretty clear that if a trade bonus is warranted it's massive because he's owed i mean 15 percent of what he is still owed would be almost 27 million dollars and and there are limits to how much of that he could get there's also a question of whether based on what the max is this year how that gets allocated over the life of the contract but functionally for these trade purposes and someday one of us will try to nail that down or maybe someone that we know will report 
report on it a little better than we have but i I spent about 30 minutes looking at it and wasn't able to get any definitive answers just now but if the trade bonus does apply which it seems likely to me that it would at this point could be wrong there that's a huge problem because when you trade a guy he counts as incoming salary to the other team uh, at a much higher number with the trade bonus applied and then also the wizards though have to pay that trade bonus which is a massive lump sum cash payment to wall which for a team that is already in the tax probably is not too interested in doing that so you would have to imagine that functionally until next year when he'll be making the max and so your trade bonus can't push you above the max and it would effectively be zero dollar trade bonus if he gets traded once next league year starts in july then this is no longer an issue but i do think it's still interesting to talk about wall just as a general trade proposition teams that could possibly be interested what the wizard's goal might be so just overall what do you perceive his value to be with your famous test so for those that are unfamiliar the nene test which was actually inspired by washington wizards trade is from masai ujiri back when he was the gm of the denver nuggets he signed nene to a i think it was three years 36 contract and then basically as soon as he was eligible to be traded this was under the prior cba but you know same general idea he got traded for javale mcgee and the idea there was they signed him to an extension that was treated as a value almost immediately and amin al hassan and I came up with I that idea a few years ago. Five-year deal with uh, for like five years, like sixty million or something like that. That might have been, yeah. yeah. It was, it was something. It was. I remember it being around twelve, thirteen million. Because yeah, he actually finished and, that contract uh, just before last season, uh, or I can't, yeah, it was last season, two seasons ago. Yeah, yeah when he went to the Rockets. Um, Correct. So in, in any event, yes. But so, so John Wall, after this year, we don't know the exact number because we don't know where the cap's going to be. He's going to get thirty-five percent of the cap wherever it ends up, but the preliminary estimate based on the cap number we have now four years 170.9 million that is a lot of money that and you talked about how it gets simpler after john wall you know moves into the next year of his contract except that he's going to be making 38.2 million dollars at the current estimate and that's a whole lot of money and so i think that that's an interesting part of it so i would say that john wall personally i would say he's pretty clearly a negative value i mean he's i don't think he's one of the top 10 point guards in the league right now other than when he cares but he just hasn't played that way consistently enough for me and even then he moves maybe into that like eight to ten range not all the way into the top five because those guys are really good yeah we'll have to see where he falls in in our point guard rankings that will probably start uh, late in december i would imagine but yeah and obviously there are the health concerns as well in his late 20s you know four more years after this one not a guy who has an enormously high skill level as far as his jump shot is concerned doesn't have like a ton of moves not a ton of craft finishing at the room you know very reliant on athleticism so not a player that you expect to age particularly well and in fact i mean he's really been on the decline probably for two or three years now already since he had that 2015-16 season where which was injury play so what would you think would be the even if we're looking at the summer here what is the general structure of a deal involving wall is it just simply salary relief but also salary relief in the form of bad contracts that's kind of what i'm thinking it would be maybe there would be some kind of 
have like a nominal first round pick that you know the the pr first round pick the brian colangelo special for the Netherlands noel trade that's just like so well protected it's never gonna actually convey and then becomes two seconds or so, or a second rounder or something like that you, you know because obviously wall has been the face of the franchise for a while and then maybe it ends up being you know some bad contracts that i mean there aren't many contracts that are going to go on as long as his obviously but you know some of those bad you know toxic 2016 contracts or you know something uh, along those lines but that expire far earlier than walls would and so maybe that is how you equalize the value if you could think of okay you know john wall making 170 million over these next few years you know that's over four years that's ugly but what if we take back uh you know if we send back 50 million in relatively dead money to the wizards over the next couple of years then you know we can kind of think of him as making 120 million over that time and, and it becomes more palatable although obviously you're taking on you know over 40 million dollars that's going to extend longer than those bad contracts you're taking back most likely even in that this kind of a conception right and that was one of the kind of fake trades that i was fiddling with and this was involving orlando a team that does have a need at point guard and Mozgov was a part of it. They actually, and then you could theoretically, depending on how you feel about Evan Fournier, you could you could deal with that. But the difference between John Wall and Evan Fournier and Timothy Mozgov, sorry, for year one, that would basically take out Orlando's cap space for not only for nineteen twenty, but probably for twenty twenty one as well. And because they, depending on what happens with Fournier, and so that's a pretty big commitment for them for John Wall. So like Mozgov and Filler is kind of one way to do it. But yeah, but, the other but thing and I don't think a is, team is going to want to eat it into their own oh, cap space you know in this no. conception right like i think there needs to be salary matching of bad contracts going back at least that's at least in I the beginning it, yeah. because we know they're not going to run far enough like you, yeah. you can maybe match in the first year but there's no chance of matching sure. in the later sure. years yeah and, and that and that makes orlando actually a pretty bad fit because they just don't have that much awful salary on their books they have a lot of it that's clearing out i mean they have Moscow, but he's making 15 million or sorry 16.7 next year and the other thing that that is notable with John Wall, part of the reason why I think he's the least likely these guys get traded is because there aren't that many teams that have this screaming need for point guard. And a lot of the teams that do have that are just not at the right point in the success yeah. cycle. Now, yeah. you can see a GM make the mistake. Like that's, you know, the Serge Ibaka trade yeah. is a good or, example. This or, like, or an owner. That trade shouldn't have happened. An owner. Yeah, right. or an owner. And But but the thing that I think is helping a lot of these teams is that there just aren't that many teams that are needing a point guard desperately. And remember, John Wall is making, if you want to do the idea you've done this before it's a good thought experiment of oh it's like we're signing him in free agency well there is no point guard who is signing this summer who is going to make more than john wall because john wall makes the maximum amount that anybody can make at least for four years yeah and really you you mentioned the idea of you know what team that's good is john wall going to put over the top as far as putting you into championship contention especially making that type of type of money and so the idea is well you know maybe there's a team that's desperate enough to try and make the playoffs you could maybe justify all right we're taking on this contract that's going to be horrendous at the end because this guy's so good and he puts us in a contention these first couple of years but those teams usually already have a point guard right the the teams that he's really going to help your phoenix your orlando they're just trying to get back into playoff contention and you know maybe if orlando has a really good year this year you know there might be
might be a feeling that they want to accelerate the timeline you know they, they get the seventh seed or something like that and then you know they re-sign Vooch and, and bring in John Wall and this John Wall Vooch pick and roll combination is to be great and you know let's let's chase the the sixth seed for a couple of years and you know I mean if that's what their goal is that's fine but Washington really has to hope and, and Phoenix uh, is you know even a rung below Orlando as far as uh, being ready to compete this year and we'll see I mean the, the magic could very easily fall off uh we can talk a little bit about if we have time uh, about the that Portland Orlando game that we did tonight which is actually a really fun one uh, for the NBA cast but it's it's really difficult to see what that team is and then you know even a team like Orlando you know they've got Mozgov but there's nobody else who's just like terrible salary you know maybe it's and then for Washington you look at it from their perspective too like what is their goal in moving John Wall right oh we'll blow it up okay well we're gonna blow it up well uh, are is that really what you want you really you're gonna tell me that Ted Leontes is gonna be all about and Ernie Grunfeld is gonna be all about just going back to tanking and we're gonna get top five picks the next three years and that's that's we're gonna just totally rebuild this team we're gonna move Beal we're gonna move Porter as well it just we're, we're gonna get as much salary as we can I mean you know it almost maybe the concern is that Wall just makes you too good for that but to give up assets to move Wall doesn't really make any sense at all either right so there has to be a team that at the very least you know is gonna give you some salary relief um and you know maybe you take on some bad contracts and you get really bad for a couple of years but you know where you're going as watching I mean, you're kind of the worst part of it is this contract not only are you locked into not being able to get better but you're kind of locked into not being able to get worse as well it's like, like you're really in absolute purgatory with this thing i mean they could always go full eric bledsoe on it and just sit him for discretionary reasons for a portion of a season but even then that's part of oh, it, it's too kind of hard to accomplish it and that that's a big part of why i think the other pathways i mean, I mean are could, more could it just reasonable. be a darren williams situation i mean could we see that where just like you know, I mean this this would be a comparable I, I don't think this I don't think this soon I think yeah, maybe oh, sure. that happens yeah. in like the final two years maybe the final yeah. year final two years of this deal at that point maybe you have that conversation and by then there will be a lot of other bad contracts so maybe then it, it becomes easier to find comparable value but right now it's he's super he might be the hardest guy in the league to trade all right I, we uh I knew we would have tons to say about this but you have to wait a second because I've got tons to say about StockX, which is a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. You can get the latest Yeezys, every retro Jordan, the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme and Palace. Yeah, there's actually a couple of brand names in here that I like didn't even know how to pronounce. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> it show, shows uh, exactly uh, how with it i am uh, on some of the stuff shoe, shoe brands at least I, I know a little bit about uh but what StockX does is they actually use the same principles uh, as the stock market to make buying and selling a, as safe and easy as possible you get access to a bunch of historical price data you can see how much an item is sold for in the past how much it's selling for now and they've removed a lot of the risk i should say all of the risk even from buying and selling online it's totally anonymous and the way it works is that they actually match up buyers and sellers the sellers send the items to StockX and StockX experts will verify every item and make sure that everything you buy is 100% authentic. So you can buy and sell pre-owned excellent condition luxury handbags, watches, 
great brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci. I have actually uh, uh, know how to pronounce those. Rolex. So you don't have to worry about getting knockoff items. It was really was a needed service because obviously, you know, they, you can see photos of something online. You're paying these people. What recourse do you have if it turns out to not be what you thought you were getting? And StockX removes uh, any of that angst. The way to get started with them is StockX.com slash Capspace. These are no slash Capspace. We talk about it all the time in the program here. That's StockX. Now you know. And if you use that slash Capspace URL, they will know that you came from us. Let's talk Porter now. I think he's a little easier. Beal is, it might be the most complex of this. The one that uh, got you in a tizzy was when we were talking about Sacramento just taking him in to cap space, basically trading absolutely nothing back, giving it, the Wizards just straight up salary relief for Porter. Uh, that's something that obviously is going to happen in the summer. They could trade Sacramento, if they were interested, could trade for him now. I mean, we'll see how long Sacramento stays in it. They could do a lopsided trade that would get the Wizards out of the tax, you know, send back maybe like an Amon Shumpert and a little more filler salary there, but utilize Sacramento's about $12 million in cap space. The Wiz, as of now, sit just under $6 million above the tax. So even it could be an even less lopsided trade than that from Sacramento's standpoint if they wanted to preserve a little bit more cap space. Well, yeah. So as an example, the ones that I worked out, Zach Randolph and Ben McElmore for Auto Porter Works, and also Zebo and Costa Kufos for Porter and Jason Smith Works. And the reason you might want the, the latter of those is because Kufos, when he's healthy, is a more capable player. Yeah, and so I mean, I mean the Wiz- Kufos would start for the Wizards in a second. I mean, that's a, that's actually interesting. Yeah, I mean, Zebo would probably play for them too, frankly. I mean, he's not, you know, not exactly playing at John Wall's pace, uh, at least when John Wall isn't walking. Uh, but he actually kind of, yeah, he's playing at John Wall's, his, his average speed, not his top speed. <laughs> Uh, so that one was good. I thought that, uh, New Orleans, uh, you and I both came up with that one, actually. Uh, you came up with more than I did, so I'll take this one. Uh, for New Orleans, I think, you know, you, maybe you could get a, a protected first with, and trade basically filler salary for Porter. So New Orleans is a, one of the few teams that actually, you know, and again, Porter doesn't fill an amazing need for them because he's not the type of defensive stopper that they really need, but he still has more size than anyone else that they have and he still is an upgrade there and I think he's also a pretty nice offensive upgrade with his shooting on this team is cutting and no one will be complaining about him being too low usage on the Pels have got a bunch of guys so it would be Solomon Hill making a little over 12 million Wes Johnson 6 million Darius Miller Czech Diallo uh, for Porter and Thomas Bryant the Wizards could do that trade a four for two when they go down as they probably inevitably will to save money to 13 players and wave Okara White after two weeks uh, and then they're forced of course to, to pick up another player after two weeks they're doing that Bulls 2014 luxury tax dance right now but that could enable them to take that on it and they would save about five million so not quite under the tax but uh pretty close i mean hill might actually help them a, a little bit uh miller might actually help them a little bit johnson i mean they have like a, a bunch of wings who are like you know c minus wings kind of on this team who are playable but maybe not amazing they still they still hold on to kelly Oubre, uh and then you know west johnson well, expiring contract miller expiring contract so they might even have enough room out of the tax then to resign kelly Oubre next year if 
that's what they wanted to. There is a big downside to this trade, the structure that you and I both thought of for this for New Orleans, which is that cap space actually has some value to them because that's a possible path for re-signing Julius Randle. If they do not have cap space, the only way that they can do so is basically through non-bird. And that is not a lot of money compared to what he might want to get. And so granted, it might be that Julius Randle wants more money than the Pelicans can pay him anyway. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else. There are lots of other things. But basically, you're locking yourself in. And Miritich does not have the same issues because of because his bird rights yeah. are more extensive. But with Julius Randle, that is a big problem. Yeah, and, and then the, they might run into some tax issues next year as well if they were to yeah, bring back as well, or or the year after, or yeah. I mean, there are lots yeah. of because they also they're paying AD a bunch of money, they're paying Drew Holiday a bunch of money. The one that I found the most intellectually compelling, other than Sacramento, which we previously discussed, is actually the Chicago Bulls. Hmm. And the reason why is because Chicago has something that a lot of these other teams don't, and that is a bad salary but, that runs a long but, time. But what what about what about the the twenty twenty nineteen plan for the Bulls? That they're going to sign. Two, well, this two would make them better. Years. I mean, th- this trade would make them a lot better. So, oh, yeah. you're talking about the cap space in 2019. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but, so but, but so the deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know maybe if if they get Porter, they look a lot better. Marketing comes comes back. They'll have Portis, uh, Levine, Carter. Like maybe they could actually like look pretty good the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, and, they, and Chandler Hutchison slides into a normal role. Like, they would actually have something closer to a functional team. And so the deal would be Lopez and Cristiano Felicio. And why Felicio makes sense is it's kind of that idea of functionally then Otto Porter becomes a $20 million player as opposed to a $27 million player. And Robin Lopez would play instantly for with the Wizards. He would be a big help for them. And then another nuance to this trade that you could do, which I actually think would be more favorable for the Wizards, is adding in Cameron Payne and Jason Smith. And if my preliminary estimates are correct they could then dump Cameron Payne on another team and then that would get them all the way out of the luxury tax and they don't really have a lot of those middle salaries of guys that they would want to dump so having Cameron Payne there maybe they can throw another like middling asset whatever it is like a second round pick or something to trade him into some team's exception like there are ways to make that deal happen and then that gets well so, that gets so is that that's washed. just a straight up dump there's no asset going back to the Wizards there I don't think there needs to be if, if Washington's taking on... Oh, one other thing we should mention with Porter. So this is age 25 season. He has, after this season, two years, 55.7 million left. And technically that final season is player option, but he's going to pick up that player option. I'm not doing the voice. I don't want to. And so so for for them, it's, it's a two-year commitment for Chicago. So it's not as big of a help to Washington, but it does... Like if they can get them under the tax this year, and theoretically you could structure this trade with a third team to do the Cameron Payne part right away, I don't think they need to include... a significant asset yeah. to make that yeah. happen maybe they give the asset to the pain team to make that I, work out so that's like a second or let something me tell you this too uh that trade might actually make the wizards better this year just because they have nothing at center at all like robin lopez could actually is uh, the difference between absolutely zero and robin lopez at center is larger than the downgrade of porter to their other cast of wings and porter is the best of those guys i think although he's, he's played poorly so far this year but yes yeah, so, i mean that actually that actually might improve the wizards team at least for this and then the other one the other one that works that i find compelling for other reasons is portland and so for portland for whatever reason they don't think mo harkless is as good as we do and they've always kind of tried other options and so porter would be as a low usage capable player would be a compelling fit and there are ways of doing this trade that do not involve harkless or alfred camino so you could have like a they could actually have forward depth for the first time in a long time so the two concepts i had there one involves evan turner so turner is a year shorter than porter but makes you know, I think it's 10 million less next year. So it'd be Turner, Caleb Swanigan, and Wade Baldwin for Porter. 
or you could do Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard for Porter. And in either one of those, you're probably sending an asset back. But that, for me, it was more focused on the salary structure of those deals. And I like the Chicago deal. You know, I think that theory of it is better for the Wizards, mostly because they save more money and because they don't really need Evan Turner. But it's worth worth considering as well. You have any other ones here that you wanted to bring up? One other one. And I've talked before about Brooklyn. I just think they're valuing their cap space too much. And so one structure that they could do is Alan Crabb and Kenneth Fareed for Otto Porter and Austin Rivers. And what, so Fareed for Rivers is just because Fareed makes a little bit more than Rivers. So for, from Brooklyn's perspective, they get off of a little bit of salary there. I also think Austin Rivers with Karis LeVert being out could actually, you know, play a little bit for them. But Otto Porter, they need forwards, just more depth at that position. And so he might be better than who they get with their 20 to 25 or even 40 million in cap space. And I get that they're, probably selling low and this maybe maybe this is maybe they would the team that you know and this is the same gm that made the offer sheet for auto porter maybe that's a move that happens in the summer or something but i just thought they were an interesting structure and since alan crab has been awful this year he's making 18.5 next year they get out of some of that money but the wizards still get some significant savings over the long term god that was an atrocious trade for crab why did they do that it was an atrocious offer sheet yeah i mean th- this would be a great this would trade. be a great this would be a great trade a funny one in that because it would be too bad Brooklyn offered offer sheets going for each other well the the hilarity is that they're like oh well this this makes him a 12 million dollar a year player because we're trading him with Nicholson's dead 6 million for his 18 million but he hasn't even been close to worth 12 million (laughs) that's which and and I've never really been a believer in that kind of a concept anyway uh because the the guy still counts 18 million when he's trying to trade him um and you know just 6 million is just so much easier to deal with on your books you know it's not going to be an albatross uh so all right let's talk about Beal that's uh, we'll save the 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 main course for last year but I would be remiss if I did not tell you about the awesome socks that I have on my feet right now. I just love their no-show socks, actually. This is Bombas. They've put in two years of research and development, a bunch of improvements in design. The no-show socks are awesome. I would always have trouble with my no-show socks, like not staying up. That is no longer an issue with Bombas. They have like this really nice pad on the back of the Achilles that both helps it stay in place and then also prevents the back of your shoe rubbing onto your ankle. I find them to be the perfect temperature temperature not too hot not too cold uh, and my house has this enormous temperature difference between the downstairs and the upstairs in this house we obey the laws of thermodynamics and so when i go downstairs wearing normal socks my feet get cold i'm too hot when i'm upstairs bombas no problem and then their crew socks have their patented stay up technology i don't get some sorry sock line I and mean, when i was a lawyer i would get home and i just had this angry red sock line i just didn't realize how uncomfortable i was all day until I take my socks off and I was like man that really is not comfortable no such issues with Bombas the way to get started with them is bombas.com b-o-m-b-a-s.com slash cap space and use the code cap space for 20% off your first order that's your entire order doesn't matter how big it is that's bombas.com b-o-m-b-a-s.com slash cap space enter code cap space I think they make a great gift actually because nice socks are things that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of to buy for themselves that you should but they don't sometimes and and so it's something where you can actually add some quality to their life with something they wouldn't necessarily get themselves. And I, I think that's uh, something that a, a lot of people would really appreciate. Once again, bombas.com slash cap space and enter code cap space. Get 20% off your first order. 
Let's talk just about Beal's general value to begin with here. Yeah, I mean, so Beal, the most interesting from a value perspective of these, this is his age 25 season. He is owed almost identical money to Otto Porter, two years, 55.8 million. And he does not have an option, so you know exactly what you're getting with him. And as you said, you know, Beal, I I, I think he's the superior player here this year, 18 PER, 57 true shooting on 25 usage. Capable defensively, not his best year, just like it is not the best year for any wizard defensively but he plays a position of value and he showed something i think that is important for beal's trade value is that he showed last year when wall was hurt that he can do more when asked to do more with the ball in his hands and maybe that's a point of friction this year i don't know that i mean but that could be useful on another team uh, he can do more i'm not saying he's amazing at it he's not like he's not gonna run the offense moving the ball so much without i mean they're getting pretty lucky i thought uh i can't remember whether it was offensively or defensively in terms of just uh, their shot making or uh, opponent shot making but it really like uh, and their point differential wasn't that good i mean they clearly were better with wall like that that was uh, always a trope and i mean I, I didn't think that you know beal i think is capable but i don't think he's capable of creating against the best defense you know I, I, and to me it's just a, a question of he's being paid eh, you know kind of like your second best player and so what kind of team are you if brad beal is your second best player uh, probably something like the wizards have been the last few years <laughs> you know it's like like kind of like that you know he's not amazing defensively he's okay but he's really more of a one position defender and he can shoot you know he's a good fit everywhere but at the price he's making you know as a third option which is really again you're you're trading for him as a way to kind of put you over the edge in theory not every team can win a championship i get that and beal is well uh, properly paid enough so that i think he makes sense for a lot more teams uh, than wall does uh but you know i mean i think he's a little overrated because the wizards have been a playoff team in the sorry east the last few years have made to the second round a couple times because the east sucks and he's been an all-star because the east sucks so i think generally like the idea that beal is like one of the best contracts in the league like I, i'm not a believer in that i, I don't not saying that you are either but that's that's some of the talk that i've heard at times yeah i i don't agree with that either but the idea that he fits a lot of places does change the the trade negotiations there the one thing though that is striking to me is that there aren't that many places where he's such an obvious fit there are places where you go oh yeah he could make some sense but not he's the missing piece yeah, it's like they, could, so, they could use him you know it's, it's kind of like that yeah. right like philly's a great example of that like could could he help philly sure could he help the Lakers? Sure. Could he help? I actually think Dallas is, is a, a worthwhile one just because putting him next to Luca, Luca would find him all the time. And But again, it's do yeah. they want to commit but, to the but, cap But phase? even then, right, if you think about the fit, if you had Dennis Smith, you know, who, you know maybe he, he won't be around to, on this Dallas team forever. But okay, so you got Luca at the three. Beal isn't a stopper at the two. Smith isn't a stopper at the one. You know, maybe you find it, maybe you consider Luca a four defensively and you can find one more wing guy who's a really good stopper. But, you know, that's not a switchable lineup so you're kind of while you're putting a high floor on your team you're kind of putting a a low ceiling on your team as well i I think by acquiring beal but you know i mean he certainly could help a lot of teams to be sure but what i want to transition to here first before we talk about some specific teams is just like overall what is his what is his value and you know because then we can kind of determine who it might be realistic to trade for him right like you know you mentioned the sixers the idea of whether they have enough ammo for him or not we need to kind of figure out what his value is and i think you know he has two years left on that contract after this one but you also get three playoffs out of him and and if you trade him 
say at this year's trade deadline um i if you want to tr- compare it to the jimmy butler trade he had two years left on his contract Kyrie irving had two years left on his contract now those guys much better level of performance i think than beal were established at the time of the trade i mean those are guys who are you know probably most would have considered them top 15 players at the time of the trade you know i think of beal as you know a top 25 player maybe i would have to he's never seriously been in contention for our top 10 players in the nba list for either of us i'm sure whereas butler and irving have been but you know you would get another playoffs out of him as well also worth noting though that beal paid a much higher percentage of the salary cap than irving and butler because they were uh previous cba or, or pre-cap spike contracts i should say so you know i think the value for beal to me is significantly less than the butler and irving trades uh so i, I think that's kind of where you you would calibrate the value here yeah i i don't even think it'd be close to those guys for a bunch of different reasons and I mean, sure, he is more valuable because there aren't that many twos, but Jimmy Butler can defend multiple positions. Kyrie Irving is an offensive dynamo like Beal, even at his best, doesn't occupy the same kind of roles. Like the theory of him is not as valuable. And because he's because there aren't as many contracts that run as long, there are, even if you think he's worth that contract, it does narrow a team's flexibility in almost every concept of this trade. And that's something I noticed when I was doing some fake trades for Brad Beal is just you. it's hard to really put one together that makes a ton of sense for both sides yeah and one that i think that is a natural thought is the lakers that one i see as much more likely this offseason if they don't get the type of guys that that they want because even if you trade everything that's not nailed down uh in terms of salary for next year for beal you can't really get to another max slot you're gonna be at about 25 million room this is where that stretch of luol dang hurts which you know we we understood at the time because he gave back so much money it made sense but they've got five million in dead money on their books next year and so and that when we talk about everything that's not tied down that means that ingram and lonzo are probably in that deal uh and once you get to trading like kuzma or hart you know those guys make so little above like just what an empty roster slot would be you know that you're not that's not helping you really create much more room to get rid of those guys uh and obviously i think giving up all four of those guys would be too much to me uh for beal and and there are many who would argue even that ingram and lonzo would be too much uh, and you know they have other filler salary that could be included of course I mean, but what do you think barring this idea that it would mean the lakers punting on next year's cap space which i mean they're not going to want to do that right i mean they're going to think hey number one we can get a guy in a four-year contract next year we can get someone who's better than beal and we can do it without having to give up lonzo and ingram so why would we want to make this trade especially because beal doesn't make us a contender this year so it doesn't make a lot of logic but just in terms of like okay is that a fair trade you know lonzo and ingram for beal what do you make of that i think that's way too much to give up even though i'm not as high on those guys now as i was when they were drafted they still have untapped potential both of them you could argue could be better in other circumstances and beal i I think he's closer to a neutral value than an unambiguously positive one i mean he's making a ton of money like this is this isn't a circumstance where he's making like 10 million or something and and we we would have a different conversation he's making you know 26 27 million a year that's a lot of money a veteran player who is making kind of as much as he should be made is a 
valuable commodity because the vast majority of teams going into free agency you're really gonna have to overpay for production and, and i don't think that Beal is overpaid but you know I, again i mean if he's got surplus value you know it's five million seven million something like that maybe uh you know I, i'm not sure exactly what the kp's uh marginal wins research would say on that but th- that seems just eyeballing it about what it would be for me um what about philly is that do they have the horses to get it done here i think they have the horses to get it done if they want to i mean so they have plenty of 2018 19 salary floor because they have guys like wilson chandler and mike Mescala, who chandler can be aggregated now i i don't know where we are in the two months for Mescala. and then they have other sweeteners like zaire smith could be one i actually think would be interesting for the wizards if they're under this conception of retooling they could also do something involving markel fultz if the wizards had interest in him or they could move markel fultz somewhere else and yeah so like the two deals i had one was zaire wilson chandler and mike Mescala, and then the other one is chandler markel fultz justin Patton when he's eligible to be traded and Furkan Korkmaz for Beal and Jason Smith and so there they get the Wizards get a couple of functional guys and the Sixers don't give up somebody in Zaire Smith that they think could make sense with this team yeah so I I don't think I want to spend that much more time on Beal here because uh, we do have uh, tons of other stuff uh, to get to including a trade an actual trade before December 15th yeah I mean and this is an interesting one for a couple of different reasons so the trade is Kyle Korver going from Cleveland back to Utah for Alec Burks who is a straight up expiring contract and two second round picks those seconds are Utah's own 2020 second and Washington's 2021 second and I wrote about this for the athletic from a CBA perspective. And what I thought was the most significant note there, there were two things I thought, like if you want to summarize that piece. One is that this trade happened when it did because it occurring on November 28th means that Alec Burks can be aggregated before the trade deadline. And so if theoretically Cleveland wanted to take on a multi-season salary that was higher than any single player that they have on their books, they could do that. And then the other part is, while Kyle Korver, you know, he has a partial guarantee for next season of a little bit over four i think it's 4.4 million and that or you could pay him 7.5 to be there this is even if it's to a small degree utah taking on money for next year when they had so much flexibility around ingles rudy gobert and donovan mitchell yeah they should still be able to create a max slot if they need to that of course uh, would mean that they move on from Derek favors that they move on who's not guaranteed for next year that they would move on from ricky rubio he of course would have a cap hold uh, and it does doesn't seem like Utah is really trying to get into the cap space derby uh, especially if you know they don't finish this season well it makes that less likely but the Jazz just couldn't shoot I mean we could talk about it from their perspective first and they just needed someone to knock down shots especially on the second unit I mean Joe Ingles is the only guy on this team who is making shots right now KP had this stat that when Joe Ingles is off the floor they're shooting 28 percent from downtown I mean that is just atrocious despite the fact that they are generating a ton of wide open three I mean, they didn't really have anyone on this team who it's like, oh man, we just can't leave this dude. You know, they have guys who can take them and maybe would make them. You know, Jay, who, but who's the second best shooter on this team? Jay Crowder. I mean, Donovan Mitchell isn't really going to be a, a spot up threat. You know, you're so, and he can do that, but that's, he's going to be working with the ball in his hands more often. Derek Favors will hit from the corner every once in a while. Burks, perversely, who actually might have been their second best shooter so far this year, though, with his kind of weird form, he's never going to be a huge volume guy from out there so getting a first for Corver seemed unlikely I mean you'll recall that 
a couple of years ago although he was on an expiring contract at that time cleveland traded that top 10 protected first to atlanta to get him a trade which i felt didn't make sense for cleveland at the time because he just wasn't going to be able to play against the warriors and that ended up proving largely correct but you know he still is shooting amazingly well from three he's going to be able to shoot until he's dead he'll he'll execute the system his biggest weakness is being blown by in the perimeter and he'll have rudy gobert behind him now in a lot of these units and so i I think you know utah felt like their season was going off the rails a little bit and they couldn't hit a shot and so they addressed it that weakness and what did you think of the price given up here for corver so they gave up two seconds utah's own second in 2020 shouldn't be great i i mean i would say that's i've drawn the dividing line many years at being 45 so if you're in the bottom half of the league then it's has some value if you're in the and and that could change a little bit with two-way contracts and and all these other things because you get you get basically an, an advantage there until they fix some of these rules and with the way tenders are structured which is screwed up we talked about that in the stitcher premium pod recently you have that and then washington's 2021 you know that could end up being valuable as far as second round picks go depending on where they are that is the final year that beal and porter are under contract currently and wall is still years away so maybe maybe they're retooling at that point and it's, they're never going to change their approach based on a second round pick so maybe they have a bad year or something like that i i didn't think personally i know i'm lower on Corver than many i didn't think he was a positive player on his contract at all like i not not like a huge negative but i thought he was a slight negative so getting something for him and the difference for cleveland of Corver and burks is pretty inconsequential so yeah I, I i think that i think that it's cleveland should be happy with how they did not thrilled but happy yeah especially considering that 3.4 million dollar guarantee for next year for Corver in particular uh, and Oh, yeah. and, and that's one other nuance to this trade that's worth mentioning. Utah saves $3 million this season through the trade because Burks just makes more than Corver. And they also generate a $4 million trade exception that they could theoretically use this league year or next year if they don't clear cap space. Yeah, but I mean, let, let's keep in mind what Corver is. If Utah gets in a series against Houston, he's not going to be able to play at all, basically. I mean, he's he's going to get switched on to Chris Paul or James Harden, and he's probably going to get uh, and against Golden State, same thing. So it, he's, you know, he's going to be at best a 15 minute game guy in the playoffs due to just limitations with his defensive matchups at least against it once you get to the second round in particular at the first round you know against oklahoma city yeah he could could probably survive you know against a team like that you know depending on the matchup or you know portland or something like that but yeah i I think cleveland did pretty well here but i understand why utah did what they did as well and seconds you know are not that valuable and 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 from cleveland's standpoint too burks you know he'll he joins their parade of shot creators that they already have at guard but you know not really is in their long-term plans even as someone like Clarkson or Hood who they in theory could bring back uh, amazing that Burks and Hood are again teammates uh now in Cleveland another Utah Cleveland trade so I I could foresee Burks being a buyout candidate eventually a buyout candidate or I could see him being a part of a bigger trade and and something I brought up in the piece is that Burks is actually much more valuable in those deals because he has no obligation moving forward there were probably teams that just didn't care about California right yeah so yeah yeah so they could they could make some big moves they have all these you know george hill's making a bunch of money and jr smith jr smith they can do the thing we, we've talked about before where they can trade him for a higher value because he gets he gets counted differently but they can't with george hill so depending on how much money dan gilbert's willing to pay how close they're willing to get to the luxury tax to add assets and then the other big factor there with cleveland now being kind of the leader in these types of trades excluding what sacramento can do because that's kind of different is 
what are teams willing to give up? You know, how how much more valuable is it for Team X to know that they're going to have max space in 2019 versus knowing that there's a possibility? And my guess is that somebody will pay them for that. Maybe not the ransom that some of these teams think they're going to get, but there is a, a value to just walking into the summer with clean books. Yeah, and they still have some room uh, below the tax to operate to do some lopsided trades as well. Uh, and Brian Windhorst reported today before the trade went down that it does appear Cleveland is going back into post 2010 LeBron asset accumulation mode, acknowledging where they are, that they're not close to the playoffs, that they could take on some bad money to open up cap space. You know, some of those sour 16 contracts perhaps and Burks could be certainly a part of that uh, later on. So let's just move to uh, some news here. We can go in alphabetical order in Atlanta. The Hawks are pretty banged up, but Jeremy Lin has an ankle sprain. He's a questionable. Tyler Dorsey has missed the last few with a, a bone bruise. He wasn't really in the rotation anyway. Uh, Alex Poitras, uh, who is now their backup power forward, or at least a backup power forward option, he's missed six straight with an ankle injury. They lost tonight to the Hornets. Uh, after that nice win in Miami. Um, What else we got here? The Chicago Bulls are in the process to getting Chris Dunn and Bobby Portis back. looks like they're going to be cleared for practice next week, which means they're probably around two weeks away from coming back. And Denzel Valentine, the current timeline for him is that he will resume basketball activities in six months. The Chicago Bulls will not be playing competitive basketball in six months, so that means he's out for the year. I put in that their season ended in 133 days exactly, and and that information was not imparted until right now i was leaving that for you <laughs> well you i did guess the I, hard work to count how many days are left well i just went to one of those like how many days until sites um cleveland uh, david nawabo had been starting as effectively the power forward whether you want to call him or jay osmond uh, that uh, is debatable but uh he's been out with the sword knee so they've actually now been starting larry nance at power forward uh, with tristan thompson in two big alignments they're unclear when nawabo will be back it doesn't sound like it's serious uh dennis smith jr came back to night after missing a game with a wrist in, in Dallas's blowout win over Houston although that was largely bench driven and uh, Dwight Powell also returned tonight after missing three games with knee soreness uh, to power that Dallas win the Warriors Steph Curry it turns out will not play in Toronto I think maybe even just because Steph has a connection to Toronto with his father having played there and this is a big game you know even Clay Thompson was talking up as a potential finals preview and I think just the idea uh, especially with coming back from a muscle injury when you're just going to be inspired to go really hard in a really intense environment that is just eh, why not just wait until saturday against detroit i mean that seems to be all it is he's gone through a few practices now successfully but i think especially when you're talking about a muscle injury no harm in waiting a little bit longer here and then alfonso mckinney is still out for the warriors no timetable that i've seen uh, as far as this uh, sore foot that he's been listed at sore foot is always a nebulous uh, injury uh, and in fact, in San Antonio, just to skip around, Pau Gasol had a sore foot. Uh, he was doing some on-court work. He was out of a walking boot, boot and then had a second opinion that confirmed that he has a stress fracture and is going to be out for quite some time in uh, the same foot that he broke in the semifinals of the what was then the World Championships in 2006 uh, playing for Spain, which uh, ruined his 2006-07 with the Grizz. And it, in some ways, actually led to him being traded the next year to the league one other note on the warriors uh 
Uh, did you mention Draymond? I didn't hear you mention him. Oh, situation. no, I didn't actually. I thought I had that in yeah, there. Yeah, so in the, in the cruel <laughs> twist of basketball gods, Steph Curry, it sounds like he really wants to play against Toronto. He's missing that game coming back for Detroit. Draymond really wants to play against Detroit because that's his hometown game. And it looks like he's going to miss that one and might come back shortly thereafter on this road trip that the Warriors are about to go on. And the team they faced in the Western Conference Finals, the Houston Rockets, they're dealing with their own raft of injuries. Chris Paul has missed three straight games due to different ailments. Originally, it was uh, uh, resting due to his knee. Now it's being called a hamstring thing. Gerald Green but Can we talk about that still for dealing a little bit? With... I mean, man. like, Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, CP hamstring is really like just how many hamstring injuries is this for him now in his career? And, you know, I don't know whether the knee and the hamstring were separate or they were just obfuscating on the hamstring or what uh, here. But it, it's really just like it, it's and without him, it's just been absolutely miserable for the Rockets at this point as they've yeah, now so lost miserable they even they're, played they're right back in the doldrums again. It seemed like they were getting out of it and now they just they're depth is trash and it's been a struggle and another reason it's been a struggle is Gerald Green missing time at the same time that led to them playing G League call up Daniel House. He was the first in, guy in off crunch the bench time. For, for yeah. Them. Well, and that's something uh, Jonathan Fagan brought this up during the game that even though they're the walking wounded and they have they're playing you know a G League effectively a G League call up he signed to a contract but G League call up Marquise Chris and Michael Carter Williams still can't play for them and Brandon Knight's making his way back that could be a, you know he's been dealing with injury maybe he can be a greater contributor but these bottom of the bench guys Mello's off the team Marquise Chris who they got in that trade is basically unplayable and Michael Carter Williams who they gave functionally a minimum contract to is completely out of their rotation too yeah I mean that was the signing that we correctly panned of giving him you know nearly a fully guaranteed minimum contract it was just there's no evidence to indicate that he could play and I guess the thought was oh he, he's big enough to switch well I mean we saw how bad they were with him on the floor but, and, and the fact that they are playing guys that they just signed out of the G League a day before over him it, it who's been there the whole season is just amazing. I mean, you think about just how many, and Nene, I mean, they're really missing him. He may come back uh, as soon as Monday, but I mean, you look at some of these slots right now. I mean, how many NBA players do they have healthy right now? They got Paul, Harden, Gordon, Ennis, Tucker, Capella, Gary Clark. I mean, that's six basically. Uh, And then you're going, and they just have, even not counting injured guys, you've got Mello and carter williams who are just like you know wasted roster spots right now and in part wasted roster spots because of the tax issues right i mean they just don't want to waive carter williams i'm sure if money weren't a concern they would have waived him and signed somebody else three weeks ago uh and same thing with mellow too right so they're just hoping that they can mellow finds another team at some point and then they they can waive them and have them get claimed or that there'll be a set off although that won't be till the end of the year so the tax issues that night trade i mean if they still have Ryan Anderson instead of Knight they'd be looking a lot better as, as well that was a, another money focused trade that was made uh even Melton would probably be helping them right now you know that he was included in that trade so this is yes misfortune but this team was supposed to be oh we're gonna rest all these guys now so they're not too tired and Chris Paul doesn't get injured in the playoffs and they're in the exact opposite direction and so D'Antoni is like hey we gotta rest guys I mean he sounded very resigned after this game to just like hey let's sneak into the playoffs here and just make sure try to make sure 
sure everyone's healthy for the playoffs and they're under 500 again and so i mean they damn well better not get the eighth seed if they're hoping to do that i mean we we're talking not five days ago before this paul injury about the expectation that they could be the second seed still that they're the favorite for that and maybe they still are maybe they'll get back healthy but i mean you just i don't care how good your top six are you can't win with guys who are just absolute black holes in your rotation and especially when you're just exhausting all your good players at this point in the season but i mean they have to win games at some point too so it's like you know what do you do if you're d'antoni speaking of black holes in your rotation miami is still dealing with goran dragic being out and their offense just sputtering a lot it, it exacerbated by tyler johnson still not having practiced yet so they're just shallow at exactly the wrong position at exactly the wrong time and i'm not saying they're like out of the playoffs or anything like that i mean there's still a long time to go here but the longer they stay below sea level the harder it is to get back even though they've done it before injury news uh, that directly affects me i'm going to be at the lakers pacers game down in la tomorrow victor oladipo not going to play thursday he still needs to go through a full practice but with that knee soreness but if he responds okay through that he could be back saturday against the kings if he can practice on friday and then uh danny you uh requested a tirade about lonzo ball being questionable for uh thursday night i guess you already what a surprise yesterday yeah i did a little bit yesterday but i mean they he somebody needs to be able to tell lonzo ball no i i feel like that's the problem here i don't know that i'm not sitting on their sideline but the player always wants to come back in i mean especially when they're young guys who want to prove their worth and all that kind of stuff they think they can still help the team i mean they were there was still a chance that they were going to win that remember that was a game that got out of hand in the early third quarter but you exacerbate these conditions they can become worse and remember luke walton overplaying guys that weren't in good physical condition helped them kind of get sidetracked at the end of last year yeah i mean we saw this happen with lonzo as well where there's this nebulous knee contusion and then he ended up having to have meniscus surgery and he played on that i mean i don't know i would put the onus more on the medical staff uh, than walton on the bright side though if they have no healthy traditional point guards maybe they'll finally actually stagger brandon ingram and lebron james yeah maybe they can go to some of those fun heart kcp backup you know or sorry not backup backcourt combination stuff because you don't need a ball handler next to lebron in the, the same urgency yeah i haven't seen every lakers game recently so maybe they've been doing that but they have not in the games that i've seen a lot of uh in another part of la specifically uh about 40 feet down the hallway from the lakers locker room luca bamute still out indefinitely it sounds like really have not heard anything uh, on his return about him ramping up activity with the uh, the sore knee now i mean sore knee is always again you, you kind of wonder like you know what what is actually causing this soreness uh, and this swelling for the box Woj reports that john henson is hopeful to return for the playoffs uh, from wrist surgery he has similar injury to what paul Millsap had a, a year ago uh, and you'll remember that Millsap wasn't close to 100% when he returned. Uh, but the Bucks, you know, haven't missed a, a ton with him out. The Thunder have seen uh, Terrence Ferguson and Houndu Diallo both out with sprained ankles. L- looking at it, about two-week timetables for both of those guys, uh, m- maybe potentially longer. Uh, and then uh, that's led to Dennis Schroeder starting at, at the two. Uh, more playing time for Alex Abrinas and uh, Deontay Burton, who is uh, surprised somewhat uh, as an athlete. Uh, what else we got here more guys who got hurt against the golden state warriors aaron gordon had to leave their loss with a back issue and then he did not play on wednesday night in orlando's loss to the portland trailblazers i haven't heard a specific timeline on him and we have another transaction and this one is pretty interesting considering what like the the role here for the second time 
Phoenix dumped a player who was a lot like expected or was a long time starting point guard. They released Isaiah Cannon. Cannon had started 15 of, of Phoenix's 20 games, though he had not started the most recent games. And this seems to be leading into the Suns going to Devin Booker as the, if we want to call if, as the primary ball handler and actually def- playing point guard ne- sometimes next to Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. And as we mentioned, Phoenix has been a lot more competitive lately, although they haven't actually been winning games other than that shocking win in Milwaukee but they've looked a lot better in those alignments and you'll recall that cannon was the reason that they released Shaq harrison and devon reed so that they could keep him on and now in fact he's uh being released a quarter of the way through the season in portland yusuf nurkic returned he missed the second half of the game or so more than that actually against the clippers with the bruised right shoulder and my apologies to the blazers i derided them for playing myers leonard at the end of that game but zach collins had fouled out and i didn't realize that nurkic was unavailable i saw the second half of that game so my bad i should have checked uh, on that one uh sacramento costa kufos has been dealing with a right calf strain for quite some time here that has put harry giles back in the rotation he's been a lot more effective than he was in that first stint when he just had to be taken out there getting killed when he was on the floor and uh you know kufos didn't you know so i'm warming up uh, before the warriors game which was almost a week ago now he looked okay but you know calf injuries uh obviously uh our ginger he i would imagine he won't be in the rotation but you know we'll see we talked about him as potentially being a part of that wizard trade i mean maybe even that's something where you know he could request a buyout and just to like go to the wizards and play for them i mean i think that that's something that maybe could could be worked out here uh he's making about eight million opted in of course uh after signing that fateful summer of 2015 he was one of the guys they got with the cap space from uh that 2019 unprotected first round pick or at least what became it uh san antonio lonnie walker has been assigned to the austin spurs should make his debut relatively soon coming off of that meniscus surgery and uh you wanted a tirade earlier here's mine greg popovich was asked in a question about patty mills whether mills's leadership has had to increase with manu and tony parker and Kawhi leonard not on the team anymore and pop used that opportunity to start saying how Kawhi wasn't really a leader those other guys were and he was about to say more and then he kind of stopped himself and that got back to Kawhi Leonard I think he might have been asked about it specifically and Kawhi said you know it's it's funny to me they forget when you miss a year like what what your leadership is like and you know he's a quiet guy he leads by example blah blah but I just don't understand this breathless obsession that the media has with leadership it's just like one of those things I believe that we in the media a lot of times overrate the things that we in theory have access to because we talk to people who work for the team or talk to the players and so yeah okay you can't necessarily see leadership occurring out in the court you can't see what the players are saying to each other you can't see stuff behind the scenes and so you talk to people and it's like oh yeah leadership like that's that's so important and you know people around teams say that leadership is important too you know it's not to be forgotten but the media just there's always all who is the leader like who's a leader on this team you know there's a leadership question with this team and you know perhaps there are some teams that suffer from a lack of leadership usually they probably suffer from a lack of smarts and talent on the court or a lack of coaching or or you know there are probably 20 factors i would turn to to examine why a team is playing poorly before lack of leadership would be one of them generally if you have good enough players they know what to do and they 
they can tell the other players what to do but with Kawhi specifically regardless of whether he was leading by example or telling guys what to do or just not even doing a single thing to lead whatsoever that meant anything his teams are winning 60 games a year every year that he's healthy and he was a finals MVP so does it really matter what his leadership style is like it's obviously been very effective he went to to Toronto with a first year head coach he's obviously not relying on like you know Greg Popovich and the Spurs system anymore so either his leadership doesn't matter or leadership doesn't matter that much but the guy's a winner and he's playing on winning teams and I really don't give a shit about his leadership for that reason well and you know what else he's going to be leading he is going to be leading the New Balance campaign as a as a shoe salesman he signed for significantly more I think is from Nick DiPaolo significantly more than five million a year and the timeline of this is somewhat surprising considering Kawhi Leonard is mere months from unrestricted free agency and could go to a major market any one of a number of major markets yeah the reported offer from jordan brand and extension was something along the lines of uh, like five years 22 million this is expected to be significantly more than five million a year according to nick DePaula. uh i mean if it's significantly more than five million a year that to me means still not six million a year or they would have just said six million a year <laughs> like significantly more than five million a year doesn't mean 10 million like they pick the highest uh, amount that they that they can uh usually i mean and usually that's going to be leaked by an agent and so the agent wants to make those numbers look as good as possible but yeah you wonder if a he could have gotten more if it were known that he was going to la or if perhaps this deal signals that he is going to go to la or 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 a larger market or perhaps it's signals none none of those things but it, it is interesting also interesting that you know he's not really getting much more from nike and there is kind of a nike or or in this case jordan brand premium you know nike gets guys for cheaper because guys want to wear nike shoes and there's a lot of perks that come along with being a nike athlete and being part of that family and so this isn't necessarily a better deal than the one that he turned down despite the fact that there's a thought that oh man he wants to get paid so much more uh but you know there are also incentives built into these deals like all-star all nba mvp so maybe he can boost things up uh much like james harden did perhaps to his detriment uh when he was really going for mvp two years ago and playing a ton of games on the end of the year to try to trigger uh that nice little bonus in his uh, adidas contract that uh we don't know for sure existed but it probably a couple other quick pieces of news lonnie walker has been assigned to the austin spurs and he should soon be making his oh you did i missed it yeah i i I got through it quickly because i wanted to do the Kawhi rant so i maybe you missed it okay you set yourself up also donovan mitchell returned for the utah jazz tonight had a, a a few big scores late in their win over the brooklyn nets and dwight howard getting back to the wizards is not traveling with the team on this two-game trip and he is concerningly meeting with a nerve specialist in los angeles to discuss this piriformis injury yeah it never sounded good this idea that he was playing while he couldn't even sit down didn't seem like it was going to end well and you know certainly at the very least there's a potential for aggravation there when you're playing basketball and you're jumping and stuff so i know he wanted to come back and help the team uh because they just again had nothing at center really but it didn't seem fated to end well and we'll see what this diagnosis is but you have to imagine that he's going to miss significant time like it i'd be shocked if he's back in less than like three or four weeks at, at this point all right uh, i will not be 
shocked if we are back in one day big show coming up tomorrow danny our first awards of the season i can't wait to do that hopefully we can get through it all in one episode but i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about so we may even have to extend it into next week but uh yeah so who who is our mvp so far i mean i i haven't even started going through it yet it's gonna be a lot of work but i'm uh really looking forward to sitting down with the stats and really crunching the numbers and and coming up with you know especially this early in the season you can kind of come up with some interesting and fun results so i look forward to uh artificially setting my expectations which will hinder me all year uh, starting tomorrow so thanks again for listening and we will talk to you all in 24 hours time less than that actually till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 